Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello, you're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Mason Dixon, and this is Habs Nightly, your hub for Habs content. Before we begin, a short message from our friends at MyBookie. So everyone here listening is a Montreal Canadiens fan. If you are not, clearly you are interested in hockey. Well, Odds are you think you know what you're talking about when you talk about hockey. My bookie gives you an opportunity to prove your knowledge, so why not test it while earning a little extra cash? My bookie gives you so many ways to win, and that is not even the best part. If you sign up now using the promo code THPN, my bookie will match your bet halfway up to $1,000. That means if you bet $100, MyBookie will give you 50 bucks. If you bet $200, MyBookie will give you 100 bucks. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Why not bet with MyBookie? Hello ladies and gentlemen. It is another beautiful day in Montreal hockey. A massive dub Saturday night. You already know what happened. You watched the game. Montreal absolutely stomped the Leafs in what was arguably their most important game of the season. And I say stomped with kind of an asterisk because honestly, this was a really, really good hockey game. And the Leafs played great. It was back and forth for the first two periods. Maybe not the most exciting but it was eventful, you know, not a lot of goals. And then the third period. Um, what? <laughs> that is the best period of hockey I think I have maybe ever seen the Montreal Canadiens play. And I've witnessed I witnessed that ten to one beating of the Colorado Avalanche live. Um, I believe they Toronto finished with two shots on goal, one goal. And Montreal, just from there on, Jack Campbell, praises to you are due. You know, wow. (laughs) He made, I believe it was like 19 saves in one period. Stopped Ilya Kovalchuk a number of times. Just absolutely clung on for dear life. And made a game of it. Um right down to the wire. I was getting nervous. I thought, oh man, Montreal's losing another game. You know, we, we're making a push. Good, good, you know, amount of games won the last 10, um, but we're not going to win. And then Marco Scandella 
absolutely claps one with 2.38 left for his first goal as a Montreal Canadian. Does it at the Bell Centre in his hometown against the Leafs to tie the game? <laughs> there, There's no better storybook ending there or beginning of a comeback, if that's what you call it. That was great. You know, the team went wild. I absolutely lost it in my chair. And from then on, I just had a feeling Montreal was going to win. Um, overtime came. That was super exciting. We saw, you know, back and forth play. The Leafs had chances. Montreal had chances. And I don't know why. I just knew it. I knew Kovalchuk was going to end it. Um, Carey Price actually had a very underrated but amazing play. Um, made the save. But looked like he almost deflected it with his pad to Nick Suzuki for the breakaway. Jack Campbell made a very, very good stop on Suzuki after Suzuki made a few moves to try to put it in on his backhand. And then we all know Kovalchuk absolutely just makes no mistake, finishes it, goes wild bell center goes insane that was maybe one of my favorite hockey games to watch all year um you know that <laughs> that's a b very brief recap um we saw great performances from a number of players kovalchuk you know ha should have had maybe two three goals in that game jack campbell especially in the third period was making great stops he had very quality chances um he's just I've I don't remember Kovalchuk as being this kind of like clutch gene kind of guy, but apparently he just has it because this guy has five, six, five or six game winners on the season already, and he's played 15 games with the Montreal Canadiens. 33% of the games he's played with the Montreal Canadiens, this man has scored the game-winning goal. That is insane. I would be willing to put money that that just absolutely destroys the lead league in percentage for that stat, that category. So that is crazy. Um, we talk about that for later on in the show, and I'll get to that later. Um, just absolutely an amazing show, amazing game. That was the best game of hockey I think I've watched in a very long time. Not only, however, did we see Montreal single-handedly save their season, we also saw the return of Jonathan Drouin, which is so crucial and important to this team. That missed 37 games, finally came back. Um, you know, what do you expect from a guy that missed 37 games? Not much. Um, you know, there were his struggles there. Um, clearly, you know, that's gonna happen. Rusty, his wrist honestly probably still hurt like a bitch. Um, that's just the way it is. You know, that's not an injury you can just jump right back in from. But I, I really did think he played quite well. Um, took a penalty, but had a shot on goal. Threw a few body checks. Only played about 12 minutes. But I just, it was great to see Drew in back. Um, he's gonna get back into it. He was having a great season. I think if Montreal is going to save their season, I'm still very skeptical of that. However, they did push themselves right back into the playoff discussion. They needed Jonathan Drouin, so he could not have come back at a better time. So that was so great and reassuring to see. The final takeaway I think you can get from this game is just simply the, pr the play of Carey Price. 
this guy in 2020 has been going off even since I believe like December I want to say yeah that's just looking at the stat now December since December he's got a point nine two four save percentage since the new year he's got the fourth best save percentage in the league point nine five point nine five point nine yeah point nine five I believe that is incredible those are such elite numbers Carey Price has come to play he has come to salvage the season I just <laughs> every time this guy gets haters doubters in his career he has always stepped up to the plate and I I, I feel horrible for ever doubting him for a minute I I fell to it I fell to that Montreal just anger of wanting to blame someone so <laughs> Carey Price, I owe you a sincere apology. I wasn't asking for your head like a lot of fans. I made a suggestion once or twice about seeing what Primo could do. Yeah, that was blasphemy. I am so sorry. Um, You are clearly the option. You are the number one goalie in net. You are arguably the second best goalie we have ever had. Sorry, Patrick Waugh is still the king in that regard. But, wow. I, that, that's all I can say. What a game from Carey Price. Just locked it down. Only let one goal in. And it, it was a great John Tavares shot on a great chance. What are you going to do? 23 saves. Or sorry, 22 saves, 23 shots. 0.957 save percentage. And what you did in overtime after only experiencing two shots in net. You know, for the whole third period, you're just sitting there. That's un that's underrated. People look over that, but Carey Price was not seeing a lot of action beforehand, so it had to be tough to just jump into high-paced overtime against arguably the most lethal offense in the NHL. Anyway, so that was Saturday, and now moving on to the game on Thursday against the Anaheim Ducks. So, before the Anaheim game... I was extremely privileged to have on this podcast Scott Matla from Habs Eyes on the, Habs Eyes on the Prize. He also does the Locked On Canadians podcast. Now, Scott is amazing. Like he knows his shit. He does a lot of AHL stuff. Habs on the Prize. If you're listening to this, you're probably familiar with him. I felt extremely privileged to have him on. And we recorded this right before the Anaheim game. So I think it's funny. We talk about Jake Evans and we saw, you know, what Jake Evans did in that game. His very first shift, he went out there and almost scored a goal playing with Domi and Kovalchuk. Um, I know I myself personally talked about Jeff Petrie always steps it up when Shea Weber's not there. Petrie played 27 minutes, scored the OT winner. So that was pretty funny. I felt... Felt like an insider, an analyst there talking about that, so that was really interesting. Anyway, keeping in, keeping in mind that some of the stuff we're saying, you're like, duh, well, it happened on Thursday, okay. So, anyway, here is our conversation. But yet again, felt really privileged to be talking to Scott. You can follow Scott on Twitter, at Scott Matla. Be sure to check him out on Habs, at Habs, Eyes on the Prize. And be sure to listen to the Locked On Canadians podcast, one of the better Canadians podcasts on the internet. Hello, guys. 
I am here talking to Scott Matla of Habs Eyes on the Prize. He is also the host of Locked On Canadians, an awesome podcast. You should definitely check it out. I want to just thank him for coming on and say hi, Scott. Well, I'm very glad to be here. I want to thank you a lot for actually having me on. It's not often that I am the guest on somebody else's show. Usually I'm busy hosting Locked On and trying to get people for that. So it's nice to be the guest for one instead of the host. <laughs> well, I'm certainly happy to have you, you know, provide some really good insight that I don't always get. So if you want, we can just jump right into it. All right, let's do it. Let's go. All right, so Nick Suzuki is on fire lately. Six points in the last five games, 33 points in 55 games on the year. We've watched him develop into a key player for Claude Julien, averaging close to 16 minutes a game. How do you think that compares to other star rookies in the league? He's doing well to keep pace with players who might have either had a hotter start or, you know, in bigger roles. Because I look at the rookie scoring race, and he's trailing Victor Olofsson, Cal McCarr, and Quinn Hughes right now in scoring. And looking at that, Hughes and McCarr play huge minutes for Colorado and Vancouver. Well, Victor Olofsson got to ride shotgun with Jack Eichel during the Sabres' 10-game winning streak to overcome kind of a little bit of a slow start and to come in his own as of late, I think is such a huge thing for him. And we see him do things more and more each game that are cerebral smart plays. And he's so slick with the moves he tries out and, you know, has success on. And now with players like Brendan Gallagher, who's a little bit smaller, like Suzuki is can teach him how to, you know, kind of battle and use his size to his advantage, even if he isn't the biggest guy or a veteran like Ilya Kovalchuk, who can help him tweak his shot to make it a little bit more effective at the NHL level. There's a lot to like about what Nick Suzuki's done and what he can potentially do going forward. Yeah, definitely. And I think one of the things you see about him on the ice is just how smart he is. He seems to know when to make key passes, who to make them to. He just has great vision on the ice. And I think, it's translating well, maybe not as much at the start of the year, but definitely now he's putting up points, playing big minutes. Obviously, Claude Julien trusts him. So what do you think we're going to see from him next season? I think it's hard to say. I think that now that we see that he can be a top six forward or at worst a middle six forward in the NHL, it all depends on what the next step is and who the Canadians surround him with. Is Ilya Kovalchuk going to be here next year? Is Cole Caulfield going to be in the NHL? Is Jesperi Kotkaniemi going to be a full-time NHL player? Is someone from Laval going to make it up? A lot depends on how the team is around him because Suzuki is proving that he can carry his own weight in every single game. But now it's who is going to be on a line with him? Is he going to be a winger? Is he going to be a center? Who's going to be on either side of him? And that's kind of what Mark Bergevin, if he is still the GM, or Claude Julien, if he's still the coach, kind of has to figure out for this. But I think if he's trending right now, he's got 33 points in 55 games, not counting tonight's game against the Ducks. I think that he can take that next step forward. I think he can be a solid, you know, 40, 50 point guy in the NHL and continue to grow on that as long as the talent around him can keep up. I think that's perfect right on the nail and speaking of which like when you talk about where he's going to play I think a lot of it has to do with 
Kaw Kinyemi and what, where we're going to see him next year. Obviously, a pretty disappointing season by all regards after what we saw last year, but maybe to be a little bit expected, players do have sophomore slumps, and he's still one of the youngest players in the NHL. We just saw him get sent down to Laval, and you cover Laval quite often for Habs eyes on the prize. So what do you think of this You know, move, him being sent down? Do you think it's best for his development? Given the fact that he's played two games and has four points and has been a part of a major power play resurgence, I think he's going to be just fine. Watching him play, and while he's getting secondary assists and they're primarily on the power play, I look at the way that he's playing with the puck and that he's using the extra little half second of time you get in the AHL versus the NHL to make smarter plays. His line with Jake Evans and Cheryl Sudon against Utica on Wednesday night was the best on the ice for either team. When they had the puck, they were like the Harlem Globetrotters, just going through the zone with the puck. And then when they finally had to give it up to change or to, you know, or they lost possession, that's the only time Utica managed to start pushing back. And then when they were off the ice. On the power play, Katkaniemi just makes reads. He He's looking off defenders and firing cross-seam passes to Charles Houdon in, in his uh, spot there to shoot. You see so much of the skill that he has, and this has got to be doing wonders for his confidence. He has the time now to see what plays he can make to try and be more aggressive and grow. And a coach like Joel Bouchard is going to nurture that in him as a player. And I know a lot of people are disappointed saying that he went from being a very good rookie to being in the AHL this year, it's not the end of the world because one, the Canadians probably aren't making the playoffs this year. Let's just put that here. We're going to nip that in the bud here. Laval is in the, in the playoff hunt right now. They are in a playoff spot as we speak and they are battling tooth and nail in the AHL's most competitive division. He gives them that star power they've been lacking. Some of these teams have their young star that pushes them over the edge. He is that guy now, and they could still send down Ryan Paling. They've already sent down Kale Fleury, and they're a team that is on the cusp of being something extremely good, and he gives them that little extra nudge forward that I think helps get them over the bump. Definitely, and with him being down there and playing so well, it definitely does give them a better chance of making the playoffs. But a player that I think a lot of, you know, average Habs fans don't know you did talk about Jake Evans just got called up to play this game with the Ducks if he ends up performing and playing well and actually you know earns himself a spot do you think that will hurt you know Laval's chances do you think Kakanyemi can make up for that where do you think that's going to play I think anytime you take a leading scorer off an AHL team regardless of who it is it's going to hurt them a little bit but at the same time, Lucas Vedemo is out injured right now, and he's been a big piece for Joel Bouchard. The Rocket as a whole are extremely banged up still. They're missing one of their heart and soul players in Alex Belzio, who's out with pectoral surgery. Joel Teasdale never even made it into this season. Joe Cox is out long-term. William Peltier is out long-term. Noah Juleson's out indefinitely. Hayden Verbeek is out long-term. They're missing a lot of players and continue to just grind out successful wins. Charles Houdon ranks third in the AHL in goals, and now adding Kotkin Yemi to his line, even if they put another winger up there, those two connecting gives them everything that they need. And Evans tonight is playing with Max Domi and Ilya Kovalchuk. He's been given a huge chance here, 
And I think he's someone that might surprise a lot of fans. He had a very slow start to this season, just like he did in his rookie year, and then took off and became one of the better rookies in the AHL last year and is having a very successful uh, second season this year. I think his success doesn't hurt someone like Kotkaniemi, but I do think that it allows the Canadians to have so much more flexibility. They can have guys... Because you look at who they could have. Domi can play center. Karkanyemi can play center. Deno is a center. Palin can play center or wing. Vedamo is a center. Evans is a center. Suzuki is a center. All these things, it allows them so much flexibility in their lineup that they can pick and you know fit pieces in here. It obviously hurts Lavelle a little bit right now, but in the long run, I think it's going to you know force someone to step up for them, and that's kind of how Joel Bouchard likes it. That's a really, really good point. I didn't even consider that. But um, Jake Evans, you did mention he had a slow start to the season. I think that's something his whole career, he's certainly had slow starts. We saw he was drafted in the seventh round, made his way through the college ranks, actually had a very, I believe he made a Hobie Baker run. Correct me if I'm wrong, his last year in college. I believe he was nominated. Yes, I don't believe he won though, but I believe he was one of the nominees for it. Yeah, so this is a guy who, battles hard and plays hard has made his way through every league I think it'll be really interesting to see what he does tonight you mentioned he's playing with Domi and Kovalchuk enough said there we know the talent that comes with playing on a line like that and just speaking to since we mentioned it Ilya Kovalchuk what a season he's had with Montreal I think it's one of the better stories of the Habs season this year what do you think is going to happen with him? Do, does Mark Bergevin retain him? Do they keep him going into next year to mentor guys like you said, Suzuki? What do you think is going on there? It's so tough to say because apparently he spoke with his agent and they're focusing on you know trying to get this team into the playoffs this year before he's worrying about his own personal gain going forward. I love it. I loved it when they signed him because I thought, what the hell? You know, the season's kind of in the toilet anyways. This is fun. And then Ilya Kovalchuk's like, by the way, guys, I'm still pretty good at hockey (laughs) and has gone on such a tear that he's made the entire NHL sit up and take notice that I'd love to see him back. If a team offers him money in term, I don't blame him for taking it. I'll always have, you know, this year that's been fun. And at the deadline this year, a lot of it is – if Mark Bergman gets offered like a second round pick for it, I'm you take that and run. You signed a guy for a prorated contract that's or less than seven hundred thousand dollars on a two way deal that he could reasonably go down to the AHL and make even less money and play for the Laval Rocket. In case you want that bit of ridiculousness in your head, I I wouldn't blame the Canadians if they trade him. If the right deal comes along, I'll be upset about it, but it makes perfect sense. Personally, I want him to stay for at least one more year if possible, even if he's just in and out of the lineup, depending on who's here, who isn't here. He's been so he's been a breath of fresh air that there's a a guy like that with that kind of shooting talent and skill that this team's been lacking for a long time, it feels like. No, I totally agree with that. And honestly, it kind of reminds me of when Alex Radulov had that one awesome year with Montreal, you know just exciting, you know, the passion that both of them show. When Ilya Kovalchuk scores or another player scores, I think it's really showing how excited he gets for them when he scored that shootout winner. Obviously, we saw the awesome shush where he was telling the New Jersey fans to be quiet. I thought that was amazing. 
But then he went over and was just pointing at Charlie Lindgren. I think it really shows how great of a presence he is in the locker room. And it'll definitely be interesting to see what happens. And final point, because, you know, it's almost like you said, the Ducks game. And I know you and I are both chomping at the bit to watch that. Jeff Petrie and Thomas Tatar are big names on the trade deadline. Thomas Tatar, you know, enough said about that season. If you don't know the season Tatar's having, you probably haven't been watching the Montreal Canadiens. But Jeff Petrie also has had a quietly a pretty good year lately. He's been picking it up. What do you think is going to happen there? Should Mark Bergevin trade them? Will he? What is your outlook on that situation? I don't see them going this year unless the deal is astronomical. They each have another year left, and the Canadians feel like they're going to be writing contention next year when everyone is healthy. If they have another year like this next season, they're gone well before the deadline. There's too many teams looking for what they could be bringing. I don't see them going this year. I see them staying and trying to get as much out of this season as they possibly can, and I think that's the right move. Especially now that Shea Weber is on the IR, Jeff Petrie is the top defenseman in Montreal right now. He is the one who is going to uh, keep them going for the time being, depending on how long Weber is out for. Trading him would basically cripple the defense because outside of him on right defense, it's Christian Foline, uh, Xavier Willette playing on his offside, Kale Fleury who was sent down, or Josh Brooke who isn't quite ready for the NHL. They can't afford to do that. Tatar, they might be able to take that blow a little bit since we saw Ilya Kovalchuk can play up lines, but he's got term left, and if he's playing this well, don't break up a really good line going into next season when you want to contend. Keep that group together and then see what next season holds and then make your decision. Yeah, that's exactly my thoughts, I think. Tatar, Dano, and Gallagher, when healthy, are quietly one of the better lines in the NHL. And with Weber going down, we've seen in the past, Petrie really picks up his play when Weber's gone. I think we're going to see even more point production, him jumping into the play tonight when that's you know available. So I think it'll be really interesting to see. Obviously, we're speculating here, but I think you make really great points. Mark Bergevin is building this team more with a future outlook on next season when everyone's healthy. I do think this team could contend. They've been very unfortunate this year, mixed with, you know, some historically bad play, massive losing streaks. But anyway, Ducks game's on soon, so I'm going to let you go. You're a busy guy, too. I just want to thank you once again for coming on. Scott Matla, Habs Eyes on the Prize with the Locked On podcast. Is there anything else you'd like to add? No, I'm hoping tonight's game isn't a disaster by any means, (laughs) since I'm the one writing the recap for it. Uh, I just want to say thank you so much for having me on. It's always nice to be a guest on someone else's show. Yeah, no, thanks again for coming on, and uh, that'll be it. So there you go. That's that. I'm not going to explain that anymore. I mentioned previously where you can find Scott, where you can check him out. You should definitely do that. And when this is going to come out Monday, I'm recording this Sunday night, um, Montreal will be at Arizona. And I think this will be a very interesting game. Sorry, it's at the Bell Center, my bad. Um, But they're facing Arizona. Arizona is extremely banged up, missing Kemper, Ranta, Barrett Hayden, Demers, Hosa, Ekman Larson. It's going to be an important game for them to win. Montreal needs all the points they can get. However, it is 
just as, if not more important, I believe, for the Arizona Coyotes to win this game. They're another team that is right in the mix for the playoffs. They are only a point out with a game. They've had they've played one more game than Calgary Flames. This is a very important game for them. They're going to come out of the gate strong. They're going to come out swinging. Um, it's going to be a really fun hockey game to watch, I do believe. So that'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, you know, Montreal, they've they put themselves in the best position they could possibly be in at this point in the season. They've made the best of a bad situation. If they hadn't had two eight-game losing streaks, if it was two, a six and a five, they'd be right in it. I'm not going to do the math right now. Probably in the playoffs, if not like a point or two out. So that really crippled their season. However, they're right there. Um, I think it's great to be a fan, just as a fan, you know, being able to have that hope, like legitimate hope. But it just it makes the games enjoyable. Once you're out of the playoff discussion entirely, you you don't want to watch. Sometimes it's just deflating. But Montreal, you know, credit to them. This team never says die and I know I said that before but I just think it's so good to establish that you know mentality in your locker room when Montreal has Cole Caulfield Romanov all those guys developed in a few years and are one of the best teams in the NHL it's gonna be oh my god I feel so bad for opposing teams when they are they win so many games just by being so competitive and never saying die They've had a horribly unlucky season. We've seen that losing all those one-goal games, which is partially the inability to finish. I'm sure some of it's luck. Um, we've seen the injuries they've occurred. When this team is has all that young talent up and has Kakinyemi developed, Cole Caulfield developed, Nick Suzuki, you know, doing much better. He's already on. He could make a Calder Trophy run here. Maybe if he really picks it up try and outpace Kale McCarr and Quinn Hughes for the rookie scoring lead. This team is going to be lethal, and it's going to be so fun to watch, and I am so excited to see where they can go and how far they can push the limits of their talent in the NHL. Anyway, that'll be all for today. As always, I've been Mason Dixon, and this is Habs Nightly. Thank you for stopping by.